Seven's Talk to Experts, a podcast where grade seven students talk to experts and find out more about their specialty. I'm your host for this episode, Julia, and I'm a student at College Park School in Lloydminster, Alberta. Before we get into our expert for this episode, I just want to share a little bit about who we are and what we will be doing in our podcast. We are a class of 25 grade seven students in a non-traditional classroom setting where we are focused on experimental learning using a STEAM approach, that's STEAM, which stands for science, technology, engineering, art, and math. We want to answer that age-old question of why do I have to learn this by directly connecting what we study inside the classroom with the world outside the school. For our podcast, students will be contacting an expert that that they know in their lives. This person could be an expert in their job or profession, or what could traditionally be considered a hobby or an interest. So without further delay, I'm pleased to introduce our expert for this episode, who is an expert on policing, Inspector Lee Brockman. Let's start off by getting to know you. Please tell us about yourself. Perfect. Well, thanks for having me here, Julia, today. Um, so yeah, my name is Lee Brockman. I'm the officer in charge of the Lloydminster RCMP Detachment. Uh, the rank I have is inspector. Um, so basically what I do is I'm in charge of uh, policing for the entire city of Lloydminster. So I've got 50 police officers uh, that report to me as well as about another 25 uh, civilian staff. Uh, I've been in Lloydminster for about the last three years. Uh, prior to that, I've got 17 years service in the RCMP, uh, all of which has been spent in Alberta. Uh, and kind of all over the province. I've done a few different jobs. I was in Northwestern Alberta to start my career uh, in high level in Fort Vermillion. Uh, then I was in Calgary for a period of time where I was a plainclothes investigator um, on the uh, uh, Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit down there. And then I was the detachment commander in uh, Killam and then the detachment commander in St. Paul, uh, which is where I was prior to uh, coming to Lloydminster. And then I did another job in St. Paul where I was an advisory NCO for our district. So um, that's kind of a little bit about what, what I've done in my career so far. That's cool. Uh, so uh, how many people were in your family growing up? Uh, so my family growing up, there was uh, me, my mom and dad, and two, uh, my two younger brothers. Uh, they were both uh, a fair bit younger than, than I was. And what did you guys do for fun? Uh, for fun, uh, I guess we uh, just kind of hung out as a family. Uh, during the winter times and stuff, we were fairly busy because, um, you know, my brothers and I were involved in activities. I played hockey and things like that. So uh, that took up a lot of our time. And then in the summertime, it was, uh, yeah, just a lot of family time. Did your brothers play hockey? Uh, not not for a significant period of time, no. Did you play for a long time? I played for a number of years, yeah. Um, so what's your family like now? Uh, so my wife and I have three daughters, uh, all of who go to col- uh, here in College Park. Uh, I've got a daughter in grade eight. I've got a daughter in grade seven, who That's is me. you, yeah. <laughs> and then I've got a daughter in grade five as well. Um, what do you guys do for fun? Uh, again, we kind of spend a lot of time, uh, family time as well. In the winter time, we all like to uh, get on the hill and ski and snowboard uh, together as a family. Um, and then in the summertime, uh, go to lakes, camp just kind of hang out when when the weather's nice okay um so now i'm gonna invite Britton to ask you a question uh what are some things you do in your line of work 
Uh, so some of the things that I do in my in my current uh, job is, uh, as I mentioned, I, I, I manage and, and lead the, the Lloydminster detachments. So um, I work with uh, elected officials with uh, the city council, uh, a lot of our partners as well uh, outside in the health and human services fields. And, uh, you know, talk to a lot of people in the community, do a lot of community outreach to try to uh, basically assess um, what are what our strategic goals are going to be for for policing over the next uh, the next year or so? Um, I also, uh, like I said, have oversight of all the operations and administration at the detachment. So uh, basically, like running a big, uh, a fairly decent sized business, I guess, is, is kind of my day to day work right now. Uh, prior to that, um, as a police officer for the last uh, number of years, um, you know, I've done a bunch of different things from general duty, kind of patrol activities, uh, plain clothes investigations, and things like that. Thank you. Thanks for coming, Britton. Um, so, did you live in Lloydminster when you were a kid? I did not live in Lloydminster when I was a kid, but um, I was raised all in Alberta. Uh, I lived in St. Paul and Vegreville for a long time. Um, and so, uh, through that, I did come to Lloydminster every so often, but I didn't live in Lloydminster, no. That's, that's cool. um, so, what did you, like, just you do for fun as a kid? What did I do for fun as a kid? Yeah. Um, well, I played hockey, I hung out with my friends, uh, yeah, we had an acreage when I was a kid for a bit, so uh, we rode horses and all that kind of stuff, so spent a lot of time outside street hockey and, and that type of stuff as well with friends. Are you still friends with some of your friends? Uh, yeah, I'm still friends with a few of them, yeah. That's, that's good. Uh, what was school like for you when you were younger? Uh, well, I really enjoyed uh, school when I was a kid. Uh, I really liked to, to learn different things um, as well. Uh, school, uh, you know, growing up in the in in the '90s and into the early 2000s, uh, school was a little bit different than than what it is today. I guess we had technology in our classrooms, but not to the extent that you guys have. And at least in the schools that I went to, we didn't have a class like the STEAM class here. So it's definitely you know a lot a lot more technologically driven today, which is which is very positive to see. Um, what was Grade seven, like for you? Was grade seven, like for me? I guess it was one of our first years of uh, junior high, so that was kind of a standout moment for me there. Um, yeah, just kind of, yeah. I guess that's that's kind of I guess the the best way that I could put it. What was your favorite subject as a kid? Uh, social studies was definitely my standout favorite for sure. Um, I also liked uh, English language arts and French and stuff like that, but definitely social studies was was my interest. So I would like to invite Gwen to ask you a question. Hello, my name is Gwen. What kind of training did you go through to be an RCMP inspector? Uh, so when I, I guess I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Uh, so every RCMP member in uh, Canada goes through our basic training at the RCMP Training Academy in Regina, Saskatchewan uh, for six months. Uh, in order to join the RCMP, you don't have to have a degree. You have to have at least a grade 12 diploma. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of individuals joining the RCMP now have uh, some post-secondary, whether it's university, college, or, or a technology uh, kind of background. Um, and so a lot of people come there with that education prior to uh, training, but everybody, regardless of their level of education, has to go through uh, the training academy. And then after that, it's uh, 18 months of field coaching in, in your first detachment. So wherever you're posted to across Canada, uh, you go there and then you're paired with the trainer for, for another six months after that. Um, and then I've taken a, a number of courses throughout the years. Uh, to kind of progress my, my knowledge and my skills. Um, Specifically, as I started to lead and manage detachments and, and people, I started to take more leadership courses and things like that, and I went back to university for some leadership courses as well. So uh, that's kind of, I guess, a, a quick summary of some of the education. Thank you.
Okay, so I'm going to ask Jesse to come up and ask you a question. Hello, my name is Jesse, and did you ever decide to get tasered or pepper spray? So when I went through the RCMP Training Academy, everybody, uh, uh, so basically the uh, when you're at uh, the Training Academy, you're, you're a cadet, that's what you're, you're referred to as. Uh, so every cadet that went through depot when I went through had to be pepper sprayed. Uh, and so I have experienced pepper spray. We also had to experience uh, CS gas, uh, so kind of like the tear gas that, uh, that our special tactical officers uh, deploy in certain circumstances. We had to ex get exposed to that as well. Uh, after that, uh, once I got uh, taser training, I was uh, I, I did experience the, the effects of the taser as well. And then again, when I became a taser instructor, I also did uh, another five second exposure on the taser. Thank you. Yep. Um, so, did you, if someone were to write a book about you, what would a good title be? Uh, that's, a, that's a tough question, Julia. It is. <laughs> um, how about Lee Brockman, Daredevil Dad of Three Daughters, eh? <laughs> okay. Um, so, you're a police officer, so did you read crime books when you were a kid? I did read crime books when I was a kid, yeah. Uh, both kind of true crime as well as fiction. I, you know, that's something that I really like to, to read and even continue that now. What's your favorite series now? Uh, my favorite series now is a series by Peter Robinson that I've been reading for a number of years. I think he's got about 30 books in his series. Did he finish it? Yeah, I, every year a new one comes out, so I've, I'm kind of caught up to this point now. That's cool. I can't read that much. Um, can you tell us a time when, can you tell us an experience where you chose to participate and gave your best effort? I guess the one that comes closest uh, to mind for me was when I made the decision a few years ago to go back to university and I uh, pursued a graduate uh, education, a master's degree, and so that required me to balance uh, you know, a full-time job. I was in charge of a, a fairly large detachment at that, point, at that time as well. I also, um, my wife and I are raising three daughters, so there was uh, family commitments as well, and then I went back to school pretty much full-time during that time as well for the, the two years, so I guess that was an example that comes to mind. So when you said school, does that mean like university? Yeah, I went back to university for two years, uh, a few years into my career uh, to get a master's degree. Yeah. Um, so I want to invite Brett to ask you a question. Hi, my name is Brett, and how exciting would you say your job is? So my job right now is uh, somewhat exciting. It's, uh, you know, I, a lot of my, my role right now is uh, I am in the office of everybody. It, it is kind of administrative heavy, but overall, uh, my career as a police officer uh, has been very, very rewarding, and there definitely are some exciting periods there for sure. A lot of get to see a lot of different people, meet a lot of different people, see a lot of different uh, communities, and, and do a lot of things that, that uh, people not in the policing profession don't get to see. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so, in the earlier stages of the podcast, you said that you move around a lot, right? Yeah, that's right. So what's your favorite posting my favorite posting that I've been so far has to be Fort Vermilion, Alberta, uh, which is a small community up in northwestern Alberta. Um, we had a very large area, so a lot of our area, you know, we'd have to drive for 160 kilometers or so between communities to get to various calls. Uh, you know, a lot of gravel roads and off-road driving and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the people there were, were fantastic. You got to work with uh, indigenous communities and other uh, other communities there as well that were uh, that, that we don't often get to interact with a lot, uh, kind of in, in the southern parts of Alberta. So that was definitely a standout. Plus, uh, when I was in high level as well, we are... Uh, Detachment boundary bordered the Northwest Territories, so that was pretty cool too. So, did you ever go into the? Did you ever go into the Northwest Territories? 
Yeah, I've been into the Northwest Territories a number of times, up to the Hay River area, Yellowknife, that kind of stuff. And uh, all of my kids have been to the territories too. That's, that's exciting. Uh, so, in your opinion, what makes someone an expert? I think there's a couple of different sides to that question. I think overall what makes somebody, what you consider somebody to be an expert is somebody that has a lot of knowledge and experience in their field, whether that's, uh, you know, whatever it is, could be an expert in engineering or, or whatever it is, and they've worked in that field for a period of time, and, and they have, whether it's a specialty or a lot of knowledge. Um, in the policing world as well and in the, in the legal world, um, uh, the courts have a bit of a different definition of what an expert is. So basically, uh, in, in the policing world, uh, when police officers go to court to testify, we can only testify on what we what we know to be fact, right? So what we see here did evidence that we collected, that type of stuff. But uh, there are individuals that have uh, spent a lot of time and they've amassed a lot of training and knowledge in a specific area, and they can be uh, what's referred to as court qualified as an expert to give their expert opinion on certain topics, whether that's things like it could be police dog services, uh, use of force, organized crime, uh, drugs, uh, gangs, all that kind of stuff, so you can be court qualified as an expert. Okay. Uh, are you an expert, or do you consider yourself to be an expert? Um, I, I guess through uh, my, my experience and, and training and, and kind of some of the education that I've taken, I guess I've developed an expertise in certain areas, right? Uh, you know, policing is, is very broad. We ha can have many different careers within our, our main career, right? You can do uh, uniform general duty work. You can do plainclothes investigative work, whether that's uh, on major crimes units or organized crime units and things like that. Um, kind of where I've steered my career is more towards uh, leading people, leading teams, working with communities and uh, and I guess overseeing uh, detachments and units uh, so I guess that's kind of I, if I had to pin it into a bit of a specialty that'd be kind of where I am okay uh, do you know an expert yeah, so when I worked in Calgary, I worked on a, a plainclothes investigative unit, and our, what we did was investigate marijuana grow operations in southern Alberta, and a lot of uh, members on my team were court-qualified experts with respect to marijuana grow operations. Uh, but do you think that some people in the detachment would consider you an expert? Yeah, I think a subject matter expert in some areas, for sure. Um, I, I think that they would consider me uh, that. Um, yeah. Um, have there ever been times that you felt discouraged as a police officer? What made you keep going in your profession? That's a great question. I think overall, um, you know, in, in the policing world, um, we interact with a lot of individuals and for the most part, as a police officer, you're dealing with people on some of the worst days of their lives, right? And so uh, those those times can be difficult. Uh, you know, you might not get the outcome in court on a, on a file that you've been working on uh, for a period of time that you were hoping to see. Uh, maybe, you know, in, in my case, if, you know, if my team and I develop some, some initiatives, proactive initiatives in the community that we think would be beneficial but maybe don't get, get off the ground quite as much as we were hoping, uh, then there's uh, maybe some of that as well. So there is some discouragement, but I think overall uh, overcoming that uh, is just kind of the realization that uh, doing what I do for a living, I get to have an impact on, on the lives of people in a positive way. Uh, you know, uh, we are, especially at the detachment level, the local level, like we are here in Lloydminster, we have the opportunity to have, uh, to do things uh, in the community that can have a very positive impact on people's lives and so I think that's what kind of keeps me going through the maybe the discouraging periods. Um, so what do you think failure has to do with success? 
I don't necessarily think that you have to fail to succeed. However, I do see failure as an opportunity to learn and develop. Um, you know, uh, I, I think if you're not if you're not trying new things, if you're not trying to be innovative or creative in the work that you do and try to, you know, for example, uh, doing what I do, uh, we try to um, identify what's going on in the community in terms of crime trends, where are things happening, who are they happening to, and what can we do proactively to address some of those underlying root causes associated to crime. And so, um, you know, we need to, there, there are times when we need to, to put into place proactive initiatives and stuff like that. Uh, they may not always work out the way that we were hoping for, but I think from what you can take from that uh, failure is uh, you can take that back, reassess it, see what went well, what went, didn't go as well as you were hoping, and what you can change to, to maybe retry it or, or kind of change the directions uh, to something that will work. So I think, is, is failure a prerequisite to success? I don't necessarily think so, but I think failure can lead to learning, which leads to success. That's interesting. So can you tell us someone you looked up to when you were younger? I had a whole bunch of people that I looked up to when I was younger uh, within my family. Uh, you know, my dad, my uh, grandfather, uh, you know, uh, definitely looked up to, to him a lot. I had a lot of coaches uh, that were who were, and neighbors who were police officers, and I looked up to them, and they kind of kick-started my interest in, you know, public safety and, and policing and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, to pin it down to, to one, I don't know that that's, uh, that's an overly easy task to do, but a lot of people, I think, influenced me in my life. Is there someone who influences you now? Um, yeah, I think overall, um, again, a lot of factors influence me now. You know, I've got mentors within within uh, my my job who who influence me in a positive way. I also get influenced by my family as well, right? Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm always learning something new, whether it's from uh, from my wife or my kids. So. Um. So now I just have a couple of questions for you. So I know that a lot of people watch Brooklyn Nine Nine and police officer shows. So um, have you ever had a show ruined for you for inaccuracy? <laughs> Yeah, a lot of police shows are not accurate. Uh, you know, a lot of it's, uh, you know, uh, not realistic. You know, I guess the show that kind of comes to mind most for, for that would be like CSI, right? Where, uh, you know, people that are, are doing forensics go in and, you know, solve a crime within an hour. Uh, getting DNA back and, and lab work back and getting fingerprints off surfaces that aren't suitable for fingerprinting and stuff like that. So I think, you know, uh, police work has probably ruined a, a number of policing shows for me. But I think if you take it for what it is, it's just entertainment. You can look past that. And um, what has been your favorite moment as a police officer? My favorite moment as a police yeah. officer? Um, it's tough to pick a favorite moment. I've had a lot of really, really positive experiences. I've met a lot of really great people over the years. Um, to pin it down to my favorite moment would be would be tough. Um, you know, I think whenever I've been able to help an individual and see a positive outcome, uh, you know, I got a lot of get a lot of energy from from that. Uh, you know, uh, my work leading my teams, I, I get a lot of energy from the success of my my teams and my people. Right, so. Um, yeah, to pick one moment's really tough. That really stands out for me. But there's there's been a lot over the years. Um, so when you were going through training, what was like the best part of that? The best part of training, I think, for me was um, 
I mean, you know, I, I learned a lot in training, but it was really kind of that camaraderie amongst our, our troop, right? So basically in the RCMP, we're, we're unique in a lot of ways because uh, everybody from around Canada that gets into the RCMP goes to one place, one training academy. So everybody in the RCMP has always started their careers coming out of Regina. Uh, and when you go there, it's a troop of, uh, well, my troop was a little bit smaller. It was a, a troop of 24. But usually the troops are of 32, and you really get to, to have a bond with, with your, call them troop mates, your classmates, your troop mates. Uh, when I was going through dep uh, training as well, we uh, some of the dorms we were in were basically big long hallways with beds on either side, and so you basically uh, lived together, ate together, um, did everything together for six months, and you really got close with those, uh, with those individuals. And so I think that, for me, is kind of the standout. Um, can you, like, have to redo police training academy? No, uh, once you're through, uh, you're through. There is a lot of training after that. Like I mentioned, uh, you know, there's six months of field coaching once you're done, and then there's a lot of courses throughout uh, your career. You know, I've had training in uh, interviewing, uh, writing uh, search warrants, uh, training in, you know, leadership and that kind of stuff, search and rescue. I'm a search and rescue manager. I have training in uh, basically uh, public safety. I, I was an instructor for uh, police safety. I was a, an instructor to teach other uh, police officers. I was an instructor to teach other uh, police officers how to use uh, certain officer safety tools and tactics and things like that. And so, uh, yeah, there's there's a fair bit of training. You don't necessarily have to go back to the training academy to redo it, uh, but there's a lot of supplemental training after. So do you use a lot of your training in a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, yeah, actually, a lot of... A lot of my experiences over the years kind of I can rely on that knowledge and that experience and that training I often refer to my uh, training materials as well uh, if I'm unsure of uh, kind of what uh, or if I need to, to reference something um, but I think overall over the years once once you kind of get uh, that that base of, of reference or that base of knowledge I think you can that integrates itself kind of just naturally into my work um. If you could change your job, what would it be? If I could change my job? Yeah. Like outside of yeah. policing? Hmm. I always thought it'd be cool to be a pilot, but uh, that'd, be, that'd be pretty fantastic, I think. But uh, also, you know, there was a period of time where I thought about uh, maybe being a teacher. Um, that, that interested me. I also thought about, uh, prior to the RCMP, I thought about joining the Canadian military as well. Um, but I, I, you know, that uh, I had more of an interest in, in you know, criminal law and, and criminal investigations and stuff like that. So steered myself more towards policing. But, you know, I think outside of policing, um, those would be kind of the jobs that I'd be interested in. What is your favorite thing to do as a police officer? My favorite thing to do, like of all time? Um, That's that's a tough one. Uh, there's a lot of I guess favorite things of mine. I really enjoyed uh, when I was you know on the road going to calls. I really enjoyed doing uh, investigations. Um, currently, with what I do, I really enjoy working with communities uh, and working with our partners uh, because if you if you look at um, kind of 
people who who offend um, or, or crime, I guess, overall. And you, we can kind of see there might be pockets where things are happening. There might be specific individuals who are, are committing more crimes than, than others. And I think if we kind of look beneath the surface there um, and recognize sometimes that the behaviors that we see are as, as a result of other things, like there could be some other, uh, you know, addictions issues or medical issues or mental health issues at play. Um, I think once you start to understand people and work with our partners, because, you know, as police officers, we're not experts, we're not social workers, we're not therapists, we're not psychologists, we're not a lot of those things. But if we can work with our partners to, to develop strategies to help people out, I think that's, uh, you know, where, where a lot of value and I, I think a lot of rewarding work happens. Um, when you're not uh, being a police officer, what's your favorite thing to do? My favorite thing to do? Yeah. I like to go skiing with my family. We ski in the mountains. We try to get to the mountains once a year, um, at least in the wintertime. Uh, Also, like, yeah, just kind of in the summertime, I guess my favorite thing to do would be to go to the lake or or hang out with family. Um, Is it hard to take time off? Uh, it can be. Uh, doing what I do now, I like I said, I run a detachment of, you know, between uh, police officers and civilian uh, employees, about 75, 80 people. Um, and so there's a lot of things that happen. Policing is a 24-7 profession. And being that I'm in charge of the, the detachment for the city of Lloydminster, um, you know, I do get a fair bit of calls and emails and stuff outside of work time, uh, on vacation, um, on days off, that kind of stuff. It doesn't always take up a lot of time, but uh, it does happen. So there can be times where it's difficult to disconnect. Do you still respond to calls? Uh, not as often as I as I used to. For, like you know, when I, years ago, that was my my main job was to go to calls. Now my main job is to make sure that uh, that we're um, getting things done, that we're serving the community uh, to the best of our abilities. Um, and so I guess to make a long answer short, uh, no, I don't get out on the road as much as I as much as I used to. Uh, but there still are times when I will attend uh, files or calls. Yeah. Um. Where's your favorite place to go, like on the when, like, when you respond to calls? Where was your favorite place? In terms of, like, when I was like working general duty policing, yeah, years ago. Um, I guess because I was posted up in northwestern Alberta, and so I guess one of my favorite places to go would be outside of town, especially in the wintertime uh, when the northern lights were, were out because uh, it was pretty fantastic. So that'd be, I guess, one of my favorite places was just to the north of, of uh, high level was the town that we were in. Um, yeah. So do you enjoy responding to calls or doing Both are, are unique and different, right? I think uh, I really enjoy doing what I'm doing now. Um, you know, I, everybody in the RCMP starts off with, um, most people in the RCMP, uh, when they're first out of training, get posted to frontline general duty detachments. And so, you know, that general duty police work is what a lot of us start out doing. Um, but doing what I do now, I, I've worked for a number of years kind of towards um, what I do now and so I, I really do enjoy being able to to lead and manage others and and like I said set those priorities and just kind of oversee um, you know kind of be the I guess the chief of police for the Lloydminster RCMP detachment I, I really enjoy doing that and what's the highest rank in the RCMP and how long would it take to get there 
The highest rank in the RCMP is the commissioner. There's only one commissioner. Uh, commissioner Lucky is currently our commissioner in Ottawa, is where she's based. Um, so right now, I guess if you look at the rank structure, I'm an inspector, right? And so there's constable, corporal, sergeant, staff sergeant, inspector, then superintendent, chief superintendent, assistant commissioner, deputy commissioner, and then the commissioner. So there's, it would take a number of years to get uh, as high as the commissioner level. Are you close? I am not, I'm not that close, no. And no. is it always based in Ottawa? The commissioner is always uh, headquarters. Our national headquarters for the RCMP is in Ottawa, and the commissioner's office is in Ottawa. Um, where would you like to get posted next? That is a really good question, Julia. I don't. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we're pretty. My family and I are pretty open to going. Uh, you know. Uh, a variety of places across Canada. Uh, there's not a lot of places we wouldn't go to. Um, you know, we are from Alberta. Our family, extended family, is uh, is here in Alberta, and so it would be good to stay in Alberta. But if uh, I mean Saskatchewan uh, would be okay too, Manitoba would be okay. There's a lot of. I mean, there's Canada is a beautiful country, and I think you find great places across it, no matter where you are. But I think you know, if we had the opportunity to stay in Alberta, I think that'd be something we'd we'd uh, look towards. Have you ever declined a job offer because it wasn't in Alberta? No, no. Um, most of my experience, or, or I guess the last just about 10 years, has been spent in eastern Alberta uh, primarily, but, and all of my service has been in Alberta, but I've been open to, to going to different provinces. It's just uh, the opportunities have, in, in my career at least, have been here in, in Alberta, and that's kind of where we've stayed. Okay, so at this time, I would like to invite anyone who wants to ask a question to come up. Also, if you don't have a question, I have a couple of suggestions up on the board. So if you want to, uh, if you want to ask a question but you're not sure what to ask, go consider one of those, please. Hello, my name is Addison, and you said you work with the search and rescue, and I was wondering what was the scariest uh, like mission or job you've ever worked. Yeah, so I, I've done a, a little bit of search and rescue work. It's not my primary job, but. Um, I guess overall there was, uh, you know, an individual when I was in northern Alberta that uh, we had to find um, that uh, was in a kind of a fairly heavily wooded area, and so we were out on, on ATVs and as well as on foot. We also were, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to be up in a helicopter as well to, to get an aerial view, and so I guess that would be the, one of the more challenging um, searches that we've done, that I've done. Thank you. Hi, I'm Callie, and in your career, what would be the most stressful situation or scariest situation? In terms of operational policing, there's there's a quite a few um, stressful situations or scary situations. Uh, you know, we deal with a lot of um, a lot of traumatic things, uh, whether it's you know. Um, yeah, and also sometimes we go into places we don't exactly know. Uh, you know, if we're going in. Uh, into a place because we are executing a search warrant we don't always know what's on the other side of the door right and so i think it's that that part of the the unknown uh, not always knowing especially on in general duty policing uh we we often get called to uh to, to calls and we don't know really what's kind of going on and so i think it's just that that risk of the unknown for us okay thank you you're welcome Hey, it's Burton again, and you said that some inspectors started off as like yeah, absolutely. Every police officer, regardless of their uh, their background, usually starts off in, in general duty policing, and that's where I started my career for uh, a number of years. Yeah. So when you started off as general policing, were you like uh, did 
Like, like what were you? Were you just like a cop or were you like a detective or something? Yeah, so when I first started my career, everybody starts at the rank of constable, and so that's where I started. I did a few years, uh, probably the first seven years of my career, I uh, was in general duty policing, uh, going to calls and taking calls and dealing with things like that. Uh, but I also was a plainclothes investigator for a little while as well uh, down at Calgary. Yeah. A lot of the uh, a lot of the tools that we wear, especially kind of doing uh, detachment work, are really important. I think uh, you know this this vest that I'm wearing right now is uh, is a, a vitally important piece of, of our uh, equipment and tools. Um, yeah, I guess that would be kind of the, the number one right now as well. And then we've obviously got a, a belt full of uh, tools as well. And that's, that you know, uh, helps keep us safe and, and keep others safe and, and things like that. So I think, you know, those two things primarily would be uh, that. But I think if we had to look at overall kind of what's our, our strongest tool that we can have, I think it's our ability to communicate. Um, it's not all, all about the equipment and what we're wearing. I think it's the ability to assess the situation and communicate with people. Yeah, so usually every every piece of equipment that you're able to use, you need to be trained on first, right? And so, you know, at uh, when when we first start in the start out in the academy, we're taught you know self defense, how to use our OC spray and our batons, handcuffs. Uh, we have you know a lot of firearms training to learn how to use firearms safely, um, and then with every tool that gets added after that, whether it's the the conducted energy weapon, which is a taser, um, or other things like that, less lethal um, tools, uh, we're we're taught how to use it before we actually deploy it. You know, I've also taken courses a course in how to use a snowmobile. We have a course on how to use a, you know an ATV like a quad. Uh, we have we have boat courses. We uh, do actually tactical mountain bike courses as well sometimes, right? So there's every piece of equipment that we're that we use we're trained before we use it. Alright, this isn't a question related to what I just asked. Uh, I'm assuming that you probably have arrested some people. Have you? Yeah, yeah, in my career I've arrested a number of individuals. Uh, you know, whenever we go to a situation, uh, we're usually not called for, for things that aren't crimes. Um, you know, so when we are called because something happened, say somebody broke into somebody's house, we, uh, you know, gather the evidence, uh, see if there's any physical evidence that we can, that we can see, whether it's, you know, fingerprints or uh, other pieces of evidence. That way we talk to people to get their evidence uh, in terms of witness evidence. And then from there, we determine if we have what's called reasonable and probable grounds to arrest, to, to charge somebody with an offense and whether or not the grounds for arrest exist. And there's some specific grounds outlined in the criminal code for uh, for arrests. And so, yeah, over the years, uh, through conducting investigations and things like that, uh, that I, I've laid charges and, and uh, had to arrest uh, individuals before, yeah. Um, have you ever felt bad, like, after somebody? You know, I think we need to recognize as police officers that you know that we need to treat everybody with respect right whether that's the victim at, at a complaint or whether that's the person that we're dealing with everybody is people and and sometimes uh people are going through really bad periods of time in their lives right and so i think it's developing that that empathy and that compassion uh is important uh to do that so i mean do sometimes do you feel bad if you have to take somebody into custody um because of that i, I think I think you can be empathetic to, to what's going on, um, recognizing that, you know, 
that there is still evidence leading to the belief that somebody committed a crime, which is also not 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 a positive thing, right? And so there, there, it's kind of that balance, right? And so. Um, yeah, I guess in a way you can feel bad for the person for the situation that they're in, recognizing that we do have a job to do and, and that's part of our job is to investigate uh, occurrences that happen and also hold people accountable for their actions. Okay, thank you. What was the weirdest call I ever responded to? The weirdest call I ever responded to? Oh, I can't even think what that would be. Um... Actually, when I was uh, the detachment commander in a small town in, in central Alberta called Killam, um, people kept calling us because there was a moose in town. <laughs> so we got called to have to try to chase this moose out of town. It went on for weeks. It was uh, it was kind of probably the weirdest call I've ever had to deal with. Yeah. Hi, my name's Kurt. Uh, what is the role of technology in your work and how has it changed over your career? Oh, technology has gotten so big in, in policing over the last, uh, over the, the course of my career, at least over the last 17 years. Uh, you know, when I first started, we, at least where I was working, we didn't have computers in our cars. Um, and all that kind of stuff. Now we have computers in our cars, we can access our databases all from the road, we're self-contained, we can print tickets off in our cars, we've got printers, uh, you know, we're starting to roll out, um, uh, we're starting to roll out, uh, you know, personal smartphones for every member so that we can uh, have access to some tools and software that way. Uh, you know, most of our police cars in Alberta have uh, video in them, and so we can uh, video record and audio record uh, right from our cars. Uh, the RCMP is also currently exploring uh, body-worn video uh, for police officers as well, and so we've got, you know, I think technology uh, is really going to drive uh, policing, especially now with respect to, uh, you know, a lot of crimes occurring um, uh, over the internet and things like that. I think we're going to see uh, more and more technology through cyber units and that kind of stuff popping up, uh, you know, in, in policing overall in Canada and North America. Thank you. Holding kind of digging into some of those uh, more organized crime files and things like that um, from, a, a, you know, a from that perspective, maybe uh, going into some of the national security types of investigations, I think would be uh, quite interesting as well. But uh, doing what I'm doing now, I can move into different roles and different units, but uh, overall it's, it's in a management role. Yeah. Hi, I'm Marissa, and what is the next step in your career? Uh, so the next step in my career, um, once uh, once my time here in Lloydminster is done, uh, it all depends, I guess, really. Um, you know, if I was to be offered a promotional opportunity, then the next rank that I would have would be superintendent. Um, and that could just be uh, running bigger, a, a, a bigger detachment or running uh, provincial programs. Um, uh, or, or, you know, getting involved in some of the national uh, stuff as well. Um, but I could also stay an inspector and take a different type of a role, whether that's, you know, working in a different different area, uh, whether that's federal policing or, uh, you know, going back to a, one of our districts or into a, a divisional. Uh, so I guess our, our province is called a division, and so there's a headquarters in Edmonton, so getting into a program there. Uh, there's there's a, a number of things that I could still do after this. Yeah. The like policing being a rewarding career. Yeah, like what are the rewards of being RCMP? 
I think overall, just that ability to, like I said uh, a little bit earlier, have a positive impact on people, I think is a rewarding experience. Uh, you know, overall, we don't, uh, I think most police officers don't don't get into this uh, this job uh, not wanting to help the community. And so I think it's, it's a little bit of that, give, giving back to the communities that, that we serve and, uh, you know, helping, helping people and helping individuals, I think, are some of the most rewarding aspects of policing. That's great. Thank you. Hi, my name is Gavin. What are some of the challenges that Lord Minister faces in terms of policing? Um, the border that runs through our city is a, can be a challenge sometimes just because there is uh, two different uh, jurisdictions, right? Uh, so in Alberta, we've got, uh, you know, uh, like criminal law applies across Canada, but there is different uh, jurisdictions. So, if, uh, you know, if an offender is in, uh, offends in Alberta and is arrested in Saskatchewan, there's some inter interprovincial, uh, you know, things that have to be done in order to bring that person back into Alberta and those charges uh, to Alberta. Um, so I think that uh, that's an interesting challenge that I haven't really experienced in my career before is, is having, uh, you know, uh, policing effectively two provinces in one city, I think is, yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. I think overall, if you have an interaction with a police officer, just remember that we're not there to, uh, you know, we're there to help people. We're not there to, um, you know, we're not there to hurt individuals. We're not there to, you know, uh, because there's not a need to be. So just recognizing that, you know, uh, police officers, we have a job to do. We're, we're, we're in our communities, we interact with people. And because we're interacting with somebody doesn't mean that they're in trouble, doesn't mean that something bad is happening. It could just be that, uh, you know, that we're having a conversation with you about something. But if, uh, you know, if, if there is kind of a, a more negative interaction, just that, that to remember that, you know, we are people, you can talk to us. Um, you know, if, if you're asked a question, just fully answer it to the best of your, to the best of your knowledge. Uh, if you don't know, that's okay to say too. Uh, just, uh, you know, to be truthful in, in your interactions and just know that uh, we're there to to protect the community. We're not there for any for any negative purpose at all. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Hi, it's Brooklyn again. And what are your favorite calls to respond to? <laughs> um... That's a tough one. I think my favorite calls, I guess, to, to deal with, my favorite types of investigations to deal with are ones that um, maybe aren't as straightforward um, as, as some of the things that we deal with, right? It is kind of nice from a, an investigative standpoint to be able to kind of dig into something, uh, you know, solve a bit of a mystery maybe, and uh, figure out uh, why something happened, who, who may have done it, and uh, to be able to, to bring that closure for, for the victims and their families, I think is a, a really interesting part of what we do. Um, so yeah, I'd say working the, those kind of the, the, the not so straightforward files. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, it's Jesse again, and what inspired you to become a police officer? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, growing up, I had a lot of, like I had mentioned a little bit earlier, um, I had a lot of good influences uh, in my life who were police officers. I, you know, I had an uncle who was a police officer. I had a couple uh, hockey coaches that were police officers. I had a neighbor that was a police officer and kind of, you know, uh, just seeing the example that they set in the, in the communities and in people's lives uh, inspired me. Also, I, I, you know, I was interested in um, kind of criminal investigations, criminal law. Um, I, I was also interested in working with communities to try to, to, to deal with some, some issues in communities. Um, and I think overall as well, I, I 
I was also looking for a job that wasn't your typical nine to five, right? Uh, something that I could go to that would challenge me and wouldn't be the same day in and day out. You know, I could work inside, I could work outside, I could be mobile, I could interact with people. I think that was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the things that inspired me to, to join the RCMP. And I have another question. Um, have you ever been nervous going into like a mission or something? There are times when if we're, well, I mean, doing what doing what I do now, um, you know, I, I, I do work uh, in a lot of a lot of administration and things like that. But I think overall, if we're looking at policing more broadly and my my career prior to to now, um, it's sometimes we're going into situations where we don't have all the information. We have to make the best decisions we, we can with the information that we have. And I think it's just that that unknown, right, that sometimes it's a little bit of, you know, uh, we're not necessarily sure what's on the other side of the door if we're going into a into a place, right, or, or we don't know kind of what's around the corner. And so I think it's, you know, maybe not nervous, but apprehensive, I guess, if we're going into a situation that we may not fully know what's going on and we, we have to just deal with what we have at the time. Thank you. Hi, my name is Nixon, and how has COVID affected your job? Yeah, uh, COVID's had a, a fairly large effect on what we do. Uh, being that uh, police officers are essential workers, we have to kind of keep going in the community. And so, um, you know, masks and N95 respirators were not things that we regular we had them, but we didn't regularly wear them every day uh, before. Uh, so now we have to be aware of that. We've had to kind of adapt, uh, you know, especially early on in the pandemic when we, we really didn't know what was going on or how this was gonna gonna shake out. Um, we started to try to reduce some of our uh, interactions with uh, with people in the community that didn't that we didn't have to have so of course if we had to go and and deal with somebody hurting somebody else we, we would go and do that but if we could uh you know maybe interview somebody a different way than we may have used before we, we use more technology uh to do that than we did before uh so covid has has changed a lot of things but it's also actually created more innovative approaches for us to deal with things. We now have, you know, in the RCMP in Alberta, we've got online crime reporting in Lloydminster detachment. We did a couple different things where we created a new uh, unit that would follow up with people after the fact using technology and things like that. So COVID changed things in a lot of ways, but also it, it helped um, drive innovation in some ways too. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for coming, Inspector Brockman. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. We learned a lot about policing. Thank you to my classmates for the questions, and thank you, listeners. Have a great day, and stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks, Julia. Love to hear from you. Send your questions, show ideas, or any other feedback to talkingtoexperts at gmail.com.